Baba Yahweh, opportunity that you have graced me with yet again, Father, to take your truth and knowledge and your wisdom and share it with whoever has an ear to hear my words, to listen to your truth and to seek your face, Father God. This opportunity you bless me with as a conduit of your word, Father. Thank you. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, so we're going traveling a little bit. You and I are going to travel. We're going to follow the road called Rule of Faith Road. And then, of course, there are those of you that are, what's he talking about now? Well, here we go. Remember the Rule of Faith, Regula Fideye that you read from the front cover of the Bible and you go to the back cover of the Bible and then you go from the back cover to the front cover and you read thoroughly again. Why? Because the gospel of the Lord God Almighty warrants that. It is our guidebook. It is our roadmap. It is our instruction. And to know how to get from A to B and to do things in between, you must read the instruction, the guidebook, and you read the instructions thoroughly. What does it tell you? Uh, you've seen, and, and I just saw one the other day. I forget what it was. Well, as a matter of fact, I have a really nice coffee brewer, and I don't know everything about it. I don't know how to dismantle it and change anything inside it. Why is that? Because I didn't read the instructions thoroughly as they... As advised, I was too anxious to get it going, and um, they advised that before attempting to do anything like dismantle it and change the filters and do the maintenance things on that you read the instructions thoroughly. So, here I tell you, brothers and sisters, hear my words, listen to what I'm saying, and seek with spiritual hearing, and read with your spiritual eyes, that which is meant to be. In the instruction manual, it tells us how to walk this walk. It tells us how to be his chosen children that he has created and called and how to be able to share the word, all those things. And when we have problems, it teaches us where to go and come. And that's to his word and seek his face. So I'm going to read with you. I'm, I'm using the, the Hebrew Bible, of course, translated, but and I am terrible with pronunciation in a lot of these things, so bear me out. I'm just learning, so bear with me. I've shared that with you before. So I'm going to... There are things that we have read and we kind of go through them quickly or we think that there's other implications, but I'm going to share with you. And this is in the book of Deuteronomy. And we are being reminded that we go from the front cover to the back cover, the back cover to the front cover, and we find all through, all through the word of God, all through his gospel, not only do we find his gospel, but we see the lessons that Jesus brought to us 
in his speech and the way he spoke. And of course, the way he spoke constantly to the Pharisees and they kept overseeing it. But do we not, and are we not doing the very same thing? We're not hearing Jesus. And there are those, and there may be some that are included in the kind or in their ilk or some that are not. And then you have some of those that are the commentators, those that are of the type that I dislike. And you find, brothers and sisters, when I speak with this and I talk about the self-proclaimed, that they vaunt themselves higher. It's to put themselves higher. It's just like the Pharisees did. To put themselves higher and to more authority and they were wiser and they were smarter and and you see how when they moved through public places that they did that so that people would back down and away from them they didn't even help the man on the Samaritan road because they would become dirty so they walked across way these were elders of the church who were teaching the word of God supposedly to the masses to the people They kicked out the Samaritans, told them that they could not come to the temple in Jerusalem because they were unclean, deemed so by the pharisaical leaders, the Sanhedrin. Well, here's one for you, brothers and sisters. The Sanhedrin, made up of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and probably some others, but they had to take their arguments to one called the Abodin or the judge who sat in and they had a committee. And when the Pharisees had an argument amongst themselves or with the Sadducees and in turn they with the Pharisees, they had to go before the Abodin. And when he made a determination they had to abide by it because they agreed to do that, that if they took it there and they had to go there and it had to be determined that that would be the one to make that decision and they would stop fussing and arguing about it at least out in the gathering when they gathered together. And then they'd all turn their sights on Jesus and they'd unload on him. Because after all, Jesus was a blasphemer, a liar, a sorcerer, claiming to be the son of man. How dare he? That was written back in the book of Daniel. Of course, the Sadducees didn't read about that because that was not in the first five books of Moses that they attribute the law of Moses, which was not the law of Moses, which was God's law, and Moses was the carrier. He was the postal guy. He was the package guy. He was the delivery DHL guy. He was the UPS guy. He was the Amazon carrier. And he had a package that God delivered and he wanted to the people. And that's what he did. It was not Moses' law. God's law. Moses just did what God needed him to do. And I'm telling you right now, what you need to do is you need to read this entire manual. You need to keep in the instruction manual because every time you do, you go in here, you will find something different. 
new and improved, you might say. So I do this often, actually, that the Holy Spirit reads me through things and, and we'll read over something and some, and we miss it. So all the way back in Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book of the Bible. It tells us about God being with us. And this ties in, I'm going to attempt with clarity, hopefully so, to tie this in with what my lead pastor was talking about on Sunday, talking about being in the heart of God and taking us there, which is from the beginning, that's what Jesus tried to do. And from the beginning in the word. And we're going to go back to Deuteronomy and four, I believe I'm in. Where am I at? Remember, this is Hebrew stuff in the Bible. Their writing works different. You don't open their book from the front cover and read from left to right. You right to left. <clears throat> anyway, okay, here we are. Deuteronomy four. In four, Deuteronomy 4 and 29, and we see this in other places, Paul writes this in his letters and the epistles that he sent out to Timothy and Titus, he reminds us, and when he writes his letters to the churches, he reminds us of this very thing. Peter talks about it. But if you search there for Hashim, you will find him if only you seek him with all your heart and your soul. And when you are in distress because of all these things have befallen you and in the end return to Hashim, your God, and obey him. For Hashim, your God is a compassionate Hashem. He will not fail you, nor will he let you perish. He will not forget the covenant which he made, an oath with your fathers, and which he has done. God is always with us. And Moses is reminding the people because they turned their back on God. They shook their fists at him, whining and crying and always upset. And he's reminding them. And he reminds them too to look back. When they crossed the Jordan, they were getting ready to go to the promised land. Moses directed that Joshua, who took over the leadership of Israel, he reminded them to look back. So we shall should also do the same thing. But when we look back, we look back to see all the times that God was with us, walked with us, and carried. This is what that lithograph now, you know, with a understanding and clarity.
when we look back, we don't look back at woe and regret and, oh man, I should have done this, I should have done that, because that leads to resentment, and then we, what do we do? But what we look back on, and I've shared with you that I have done this very thing, is look back and see the times that God has been with us through thick and thin and always there. And the lithograph I speak of is called Footprints in the Sand. And the writer of the little poem that goes along with that is going and you have two sets of prints that are in the wet sand. And when the believer looks back and he sees only one set of footprints, he's very upset, man or woman. And then they start, God, God, yes, my child, I just, why when I look over your shoulder or when I look back, there's only one set of footprints at times. I don't understand. I thought you said you were with me always. And of course, in the loving way that God is, ah, uh, my child, there is only one foot of set of footprints because that's when I carried you. When we get into a really hard place, God carries us through. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Deuteronomy 31, for Hashem, your God is a compassion, Hashem. He will not fail you, nor will he let you perish. He will not forget the covenant which he made an oath with your father. You have but to inquire about bygone ages that came before you. Ever since Hashem created man on earth from one end of heaven to the other, as anything is grand, has this ever happened or has its like ever been known? And as he reminds them, because they have heard it, they weren't sure what was happening. Has any people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have? and survived because when God lifted his voice in that manner it was usually because they were had done something pretty pitiful and he was getting ready to blast them But here's the thing that we have to remember, and this is this is a blessing that is oft used. And it was used when the Lord God spoke to Moses to tell Aaron but the blessing. And I asked this of Hashim, our Lord and our God.
then God bless you, protect you. That he shows you his kindness and grace with you. And that he shines his favor and gives you peace in your heart. Because, brothers and sisters, we are in a dark place. It is a dark place. But what's dark is just what goes on out and around. But here's the thing. We have the light, the life, and the truth of the word of God that is with us always. And just remember, importantly, and I try to remind you often, is that if you seek the Lord, and as it's told us in the scripture, and we can find this in Deuteronomy 4.29, but if you seek the Lord thy God, you shall surely find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And John writes in our pastor was speaking on this Sunday. And that John, when he writes, John the Beloved, and a lot of these theological, some theological wizards and some commentators, some that are not of the ilk that just think themselves better than everyone else or do what they do because they're, remember this word I shared with you, besotted, that they're so infatuated with themselves and the position that they have declared that they have, that they really don't have. They most, a lot of times these individuals have authority that they decide they have and hasn't really been given them but Jesus gave us authority in Luke that was given to him through him and given to us and through him. And he tells us that I give you authority to step on the heads of serpents and on scorpions and to face down the powers of the enemy himself and no harm shall come to you. So when you get all whiny, whiny, and crying about something that's going on that the devil is doing, or doing, and you've allowed the white noise interference to interfere, which I have on occasion, and that is ridiculous because God is with me <laughs> all the time, and he keeps showing me, and more and more, and, and today we're, we're at the desk, and we're here, and there I have commentaries there, I use that word. But see, when I use it for these individuals, they don't declare themselves to be something that they're not. I've tried the spirit of these individuals, different individuals, several different ones, and it's the same thing with them. Their comments are all in line with the truth, and the Holy Spirit tells me that they are speaking truth. So when I talk about the uh, theological wizards or the... Yenta commentators, that's because 
those individuals have not declared authority. They haven't, they've resigned away from it. They've walked away from it. And the declaration that they have acquired or they give themselves and they, they, they have, uh, in their haughtiness, they look down their nose. Those are the individuals that I poke at. But now there are some that are very good at what they do. And they're, they're not only good at teaching, but they walk with God. They are in the heart of God as he is in their heart. And this is what um, our lead pastor was talking about on Sunday. And he was sharing that with us that we, Jesus is taking us into the heart of God and God is in the heart of us. But there's some other things I shared with you that we seem to, to pass over. And when Jesus was saying things like, soon I won't be with you, soon you won't see me, but you will know where I go. And in my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He didn't say that he was going to heaven to prepare a place. Why would the king of heaven, why would the only begotten son of the Lord God Almighty, king of kings, Lord of lords, why would he have to go to heaven where our home is, our true home is, not this residence that we're in here temporarily, why would he have to go to heaven and fix it all up and prepare it? The preparation that I feel that he's talking about is he's preparing our hearts to know because you understand, you see that when Jesus got ready to leave and it tells us in the scripture that some just walked away. The Bible tells us about the apostasy that is coming and it's already happening. And if you're not aware of it, then just look around and pay attention to what's happening. Apostasy, what is that? <laughs> I've shared this with you before. I'll remind you. Some of you knew that have not heard that word, the apostasy. That means a total desertion of the faith and what they started out might have been a good Christian, but they gave up. They got tired of trusting God, who has always been worthy of that. They got tired of praising him, worshiping him. And they said, I'm going to go this on my own because they were doing what? They were listening to the white noise interference. And the well-meaning brothers or sisters that were in there trying to turn them on to a Christian self-help guru. And only because they proclaim themselves to be such, that doesn't make them such. That just, that's what they said. And they did that because they could find a niche. They can find a different avenue to make money on people because their heart is not in the truth. And what remember what the word tells us, where your treasure is, so there shall your heart be. So their desire is to make money. Their desire is to have that gain. And that's where their interest is. 
That's where their heart's at, and that's what they do. So these individuals, they turn away from where they should be. And whenever there's trouble, the Bible constantly tells us that we should turn to him. And David writes about it in the Psalms. He is our strong tower, but when things get tough, the tough don't... The Marine Corps, you say, when, when things get tough, the tough get going. Oh, let's go. Well, here's the thing. As a good Christian, when things get tough and you need to run someplace, don't run away from the strong tower, which is God, who is there with us in the midst of everything. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Just like in the storm, you want to hunker down and pull your collar up and sit there and whine and cry about, it's raining, it's hailing. And I'm sitting down here getting all it. But if you walk with God, when we walk through a storm with him, he holds his hand over us to protect us from the hail and the rain that comes down and he keeps us close. And then as we continue walking, soon we look over our shoulder and we see that storm is far off in the distance. It's a man's hand in the distance as it was with a protege when the prophet was telling him to look out and see what you see because they were in the midst of the drought and he was calling the rain and he was calling for God to bring rain and his young student, every time he kept looking out, he would see the cloud coming closer and closer and closer. When he first looked out there, he saw it as the size of a man's hand. And then when it got to them, it poured out the rains from heaven and salvation. And the same thing if you... Stay with God, you walk with God, you keep going with God because he doesn't leave you nor forsake you. He's not gonna walk off and just like in the lithograph. Well, that's when I was carrying you when you only saw one set of prints. That's when you were in my arms. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. And you keep on moving and keep on going and you look over and pretty soon that storm is off in the distance and the cloud is the size of a man's hand. Not there anymore, but keep moving. Go forward with God. We have to remember things, brothers and sisters. And when Jesus talks about, and this, I am being, and I talked to the Holy Spirit, I were going back and forth with this, and it's, it is appropriate and truth that many people look at this that Jesus talked about, and he's talking about, just like when Jesus said, he's, I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing our heart. He's trying to prepare our hearts so that we can function and work the way we're supposed to intended to do. Why is the only begotten son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, why is he gonna go back and he's gonna work on getting your place ready in heaven? Think about it. All I'm asking you to do is think about it. I don't believe that's there, and our lead pastor was alluding to that in his message. He said it differently. I'm saying it differently, even different than he is, but we're saying the same thing. We're like-mindedness, which we are supposed to be, and we share. And as I was, I'm sharing with you that these different commentations and these different uh, mentors that I have and I use it's a little bit different, but we're all talking about the same thing. 
So Jesus was not actually going back to heaven to fix up our place. And, you know, like it had gotten run down. He had to sweep it and clean it out or anything like that. I'm preparing a place. What's he preparing? He's preparing our hearts. And what is it told about our, what are we told about our hearts? That is the residence of the spirit. God comes in, God in us, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us, Christ, anointed of God. And all these things that Jesus was doing with and around his disciples the whole time, and as he rebuked Philip and Thomas because Didymus, doubting Thomas, and Philip, they were unsure of certain things, and they came right out and they asked him, and like he gave Philip a gentle rebuke, he said, Philip, all this time that you have been with me and you don't see what I'm saying? See, they were trying to figure it out with their mind, which is what Matthew and Thomas had an issue with because they tried to figure out with their finite mind. And they were very good at what they did. I mean, facts and figures and numbers and things that they get, they had, they could, for them it was clarity when it came to numbers. But confusion when they tried to apply it with Jesus because they were trying to figure it out with their finite minds. And it led them where? To dead end. But here's the thing too, that Jesus was talking about when we were talking about praying. And it happened to be the circumstance of that time. So everybody applies it to prayer. Well, I'm telling you that I don't perceive it that way. And that's okay. The Holy Spirit tells me it's okay to think this way and to think it this way. It says it's okay. But my perspective is that when Jesus said this to us, that what Jesus is talking about is not only in prayer, but he's talking about our gathering. And we can find this in Matthew 18, verse 18. He's talking about the authority that we're given, some part of the authority that we're given. And verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they say that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. In the midst. Well, a lot of people think that when two or three people get together and they're praying. But it's beyond that. And many people will take that scripture for what I just read. And, oh, well, Jesus is talking about when we pray that we 
that we need to pray, two or three of us get together and pray and agree, and we're going to heal people and do this and that. Well, Jesus didn't actually say that. Never told the disciples that, and not what he said at all. Well, when the 70 came back, and in the book of Luke, and we find in Luke 10, actually, he gave us the authority over the serpents, and to step on the serpent scorpion, and even to face the enemy himself. And what Jesus is talking about is the gathering of God's children, the gathering of his flock, the gathering of the people, the peculiar people that we are called to be, and we are called to be that thing, peculiar people, that we are that way, not because we're all oddballs, I know I am, that's okay. But we are called that because, as I've shared with you before, we are not in conformity to the rest of the world. So to them, we are odd bodkins. We're oddballs. We don't do what everybody else does. We walk according to the drumbeat that God is beating out. And that's a, that comes from an old saying. Some of you may have heard it, may not. Those of you that are in the millennial age may not have even heard about this. Oh, he's marching to a different drum. Well, that's because what they were talking about is that, and of course, back in those days when they used that term, it was because the person was a little off kilter. It was a little tilted. And they try to point that out. But in fact, it's exactly what we are. We are not marching to the drumbeat of those that are in this world. Our mindset is differently. But what we need to do is we need to pay attention to that thing. And we are a peculiar people. And we will come over here when we are reading through John. And John talks about taking us to the heart of God. Jesus talks about being in the heart of God and that we need to seek that And he shares with them in 14. But it's also very important, and he reminds us again, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I come from God. I'm his son. He sent me to love you, care for you, to rescue you. And I'm here for that. And this is where Philip and... Didymus Thomas had a little bit of a, an issue problem. And he reminds him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You have to believe in me, have faith in God, and seek 
is truth, is knowledge and wisdom. But if you haven't accepted salvation, then what's the point? There is no validity in that you're, and you might be a really nice person and a good person and you do nice things. Well, big deal. There are those out there that say that that is what you do in order to gain salvation, except that's not correct. That's false teaching, that's false doctrine, and it's contrary to what the Bible tells us. And you will, if you do not accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, you will remain condemned. You just think that you're saving yourself, that you've saved your soul by being a goody-goody and you're doing all this nice stuff. You're a good person. Good for you. But be a saved person and do good things. Primarily, save your soul. Because we are brought unto and called unto good works by way of our salvation, not that our salvation by way of our good works. We don't save ourselves. We cannot save anyone. We can only offer the direction, point the direction. We can be those, um, my... <laughs> my pastor, he likes to use this term and it, it gets a good laugh and it is funny to see him up there when he's sharing the word and he's talking about it and, and then he tries to be a signpost guy. It's kind of funny because he's, he's not a small man. I mean, he, I think he shared this several times that he played basketball, actually. He's a, he's a basketball player. He looks like a basketball guy. Um, and when he tries to do the signpost. But that's what we are. We're, we're signpost people. And it looks a little weird, but that's what we do. We point people in the right direction. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what God called us for. Now he anoints us all a little bit differently and he gives us a different anointing to do something, but he's called us for the same purpose, all of us, to be like-minded And we're called to do that thing. But in John chapter 14, this is where, <laughs> pardon me, <coughs> sorry. Jesus confused them because they tried to figure it out with their finite minds. And you'll find this in John fourteen four. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. So a slight admonition to Thomas, saying, Thomas, if you'd been paying attention, you saw me, you were seeing God, the Father that I'm talking about. You see him. And pay attention. You need to pay attention to me. Don't try to figure stuff out. Pay attention. He was very gentle with Thomas. 
because he also knew that Thomas was the way Thomas was. And that's because Thomas is a thinking guy. And sometimes when thinking guys are reminded that they're not really as smart as they like to think themselves are, they get a little agitated, which is what happened with the Sanhedrin. They weren't paying attention to scripture because they weren't seeing Jesus and they weren't paying attention to his truth. And he, he finally just gave him the bottom line. He said, of course you don't know the truth as I speak the truth that comes from my father and you don't know the father, you don't know me, you don't recognize me as the scriptures all plainly talk about, but that's because it's truth. And you don't know the truth because you speak your language of your father. And your father is the devil. Oh, I could just see all those little mini mushroom clouds exploding in their minds after Jesus told them that. Of course they did. Because they thought themselves, they were, we're going to use that new word I shared with you. They were besotted. Okay, let's just say they were I won't, I won't pound that into the pavement. I, I like new words. I like learning new stuff. It's, it's great. So this is why it's really awesome to be in the word of God all the time because he teaches me something new every single day. So they were infatuated with themselves, which is what these self-help gurus do. They're infatuated with themselves and they give themselves much more authority than what they actually have. And oftentimes, it's, they don't have it at all. But they try to make others think that they do. A dangerous place. So back over here to John 14, we go again. When Philip has his turn, after Jesus is talking to Thomas, if he had known me, you should have known my father. Uh, there is the key word. Therein is the key word. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth, ye know him and have seen him. So what he is reminding them, and he's talking specifically to Thomas at the time, the conversation engaged, but he is, and Jesus did this often. Somebody would ask him specifically, but he would engage them and include the whole group. And this is what he did then. You should have known him. But now, since I'm bringing this up, and Thomas didn't come right out and give him an attaboy, but he's, he basically is doing it. Since Thomas brought this up, and now I'm sharing it with you all, good job, Thomas. From now on, you're going to know. From henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And then Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices, sufficeth us. Well, now Jesus is going to minister to Philip a little bit because he just got done basically answering the exact same question to Thomas which is, this is kind of the ring around the rosy thing that, that the Sanhedrin always did with him. So I can see 
where Jesus, but he always still showed love and compassion. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with thee, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then show us the Father? I come from the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And you are in me. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Because of what they have seen Jesus do, that that should be a proof for them. Hear me, hear me, I say unto you, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That's potent right there. Remember that, that they were worried and upset and some of them walked away when, when Jesus was, was indeed transfigured and, and was ready to go back to heaven. And when he did, there were some that just walked away. Because for them, everything was about what you see right there. They, the, the faith was so diminished and so little that as long as they saw Jesus and saw him doing his thing, and many came that way and hung around for him, but thankfully many heard what he was saying and accepted and believed, and this is what we have to do, brothers and sisters. You have to believe. Just like God explained in John 3.16 and tried to say, and other people say that God condemns, and that's because the perverts are not paying attention. God didn't come to send Jesus and Jesus didn't volunteer to come and die for my sake to condemn me for not. But being that I accepted and believe, I'm not condemned. And if you don't believe and you keep walking away, as I spoke to earlier, you condemn yourself. You will condemn yourself. But you, the opportunity that is presented is through the sharing of the word and this constant thing. Even those those politicians and those that like to think themselves to be in charge of everything, not being in charge, but it's a different agenda and they think that they're running it, but they're not. They're actually being puppeted. They still have a chance for repentance and to break those strings and those bonds that they have from Satan. They have an opportunity. And that opportunity is through the the prayers that are offered and lifted up to them as we are told Paul writes that, we are told to pray for them because it's a right and good thing to do. They have the opportunity to repent and be saved. As to any out there that hear what I'm saying. Okay. And remember this too. This is an important thing. 
because this has to do with gathering. And Peter writes this, this is in 1 Peter 2. So, well, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit here because this is describing us and, and what we are going through and things that are around us. I'm going to start First Peter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, lying, cheating, stealing, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking. So don't tell your neighbor one thing and act and do something different. It makes you a hypocrite. And believe me, there's enough out there that are claiming to be Christian that do that very thing so that individuals look at all Christians in that way. So it makes it harder for us that our true Christians and true believers and true followers of Jesus and faith holders, it makes it more difficult because of the falsehoods, lies, the perversions, hypocrites that are out there. It makes it more difficult because they're looking and what they do is they lump us all in one lump. Oh, Chris, those Christians, those Christians, oh, those Christians, oh, that church, this church. Ah, see, it doesn't work with that person that tells us that he's a Christian is not doing blah, blah, blah. No, what they do is all oh, those Christians from that church, they're, don't, don't trust them. Can't do that. Further, 1 Peter 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. It takes us in and it starts out in some simple things. And, th and then as we dig deeper, we're going to find some things a little bit more difficult. But the Holy Spirit drink, brings us into that. And that, that remember the Lord is our meat. He is our portion. He is also our water. He is our wellspring, the water, the gift of life that he brings. And he is also our bread, which is a little more substance. And then he becomes our portion and that thing that we feed on. Further reading, verse three, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Pharisees prove that disallowed of men, the son of man came to save, and yet they didn't want to hear him. They rebuked him and they said he was a liar. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a sheaf, cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the cornerstone for the temple, and we, being follow true followers, are the church. Remember, Jesus, when he talks about the church, he's not talking about a building. He's talking about us. 
And he is the chief cornerstone. But there were those that disallowed that. Further reading verse number eight. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. You don't believe, it becomes confusing, and you can't, you find it hard to follow. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Peter's reminding us that we are And his spiritual warfare. And this is not only what Paul writes about and then armor that we're supposed to, but here Peter says it right here. In 1 Peter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beg you as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We are in a spiritual warfare. We are told that we're in a spiritual warfare. We're reminded that we're in a spiritual warfare. And God has given us a suit of armor, and yet there are many that don't put it on. Oh, I read the end of the book. We we win. We don't I don't have to do I don't have to do squat. Except squat. That's all I have to do. I just sit in my chair, pull the lever back, and then sip on this nice cold beer and watch a football game. I don't need to go out and Testify, I don't need to go out and share the word. I don't need to do what God asked me to do. I don't need to be good. God called me up, but then I read the end of the book and the end of the book says we win. Ah, but did you pay attention to all the words? Did you pay attention when you read the end of that book? The Bible is what they're talking about. Did you pay attention? Like I said, a lot of times when individuals read things, they read through it kind of fast, they miss something. What is this that was missed in Revelation? So, and here's the thing, let me point this out again too, is that when when the word talks about this, they're not talking about the book of Revelation. John is talking about this book, the Bible our instruction manual, our guidebook, our instructions. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Even so come Lord. What if, what if, what if, what if? Even so. Even if, even if, that's my Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So 
For I testify, and I'm going to go back up here. This is in Revelation 22, 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So, if you attempt to rewrite, as many have said that they are going to do, and you have a certain religion that has declared that their their guy is God incarnate on earth and has decided that the Bible is not relevant to this day and age and needs to be rewritten. <clears throat> but brothers and sisters, you gotta remember that you have to stay in the word, stay in prayer, and stay in with God. And remember that God always reminds us that he's always with us. But at the end of this book, it's talking about if you're trying to add to it or you're not doing what God has called you to do, you're just sitting back in that chair, that you are in disobedience. And that you're actually calling down some of the things that you really don't want to do. You want to be in obedience to God. You want to be about the Father's business and do those things. I'm going to share with you another, uh, one of my other mentors in his writings and share this and I think it's relevant. It appears it's talking about not to be afraid, as it says in Isaiah 41.10, that we are reminded not to be afraid, that God is with us all the time. And this man, he was a missionary, um, Hudson Taylor. And this is what he was sharing in his writing. It says, when I cannot read, when I cannot think, when I cannot even pray, I can trust so the thing of it is that we have to remember is that though we can't see what's ahead of us because what's ahead of us is not meant for us to see. This day is the day that God has made. God knows what's here. God walked with us. The Holy Spirit guides us. And that's where we need to be. And we need to remember that there are scriptures that as um, when God cried out to, to God, In Mark 14, 36, and that David was crying out to God in Psalm 143. Elijah was discouraged and he felt like he was defeated and totally alone. And we find that in 1 Kings 19, 4. And 1 Kings, we also are given that little parable of him on the side of the mountain. And in Jeremiah 20, 18, Jeremiah wished he had never been born because he knew that Jerusalem had been destroyed. But when we think that we have absolutely nothing left, remember that God has promised. And as we look back over our shoulder and we see this single set of footprints in that sand, that's when God was carrying us. God will be with us and he carries us. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers going out and coming in.